Welcome to the Product Podcast by Product School. Here's a preview of today's talk. And I brought this one, we'll go over it in a second, um, because it resonated so well with me. And the reason it resonates so well is because it's uh, generally applicable and it's uh, encompassing. It's generally applicable in the sense that it is applicable to any business model, any product, any industry, and any market. And it's encompassing in the sense that uh, it touches upon all the key activities product managers engage with in their job, or at least should be engaged with. Uh, so let's read through that, and I'll uh, you know, expand on a few words I highlighted here. So the role of the product manager is to deliver measurable business results through product solutions that meet both the market needs and company goals. So I didn't come up with this definition. It's uh, by uh, Don Benedetti, uh, but I thought it's really a good one. So let's focus on a few words here. The first one, I, uh, the word I chose to highlight is deliver. And why do I choose to highlight deliver? Unlike uh, some other roles, you can think about analyst, management consulting, uh, you can think about researchers. By the way, I'm not discounting any of those jobs. They're all important, hard to do jobs. However, unlike them, with product management, we're measured really about our ability to take a concept, breathe life into that, and kind of release it into the market, into the hands of customers, right? And uh, if we don't do that, if we can't deliver something to the market, we're not doing a job very well. In this podcast, we teach our listeners valuable lessons about product management and transform them into thinking like a product manager. We teach product management, coding, data analytics, and blockchain in 14 campuses worldwide, including San Francisco, New York, and Seattle. You can find more information at productschool.com. Join our Slack community of 25,000 professionals to network and stay tuned for our upcoming events. How long they give me before they kick me out of the stage? I'm going to share with you guys uh, and discuss product management in the context of SaaS, aka software as a service, which is basically just a uh, fancy term for software that is uh, hosted on a cloud and is being rented to your customers and they're paying for it on a recurring basis, right? We'll talk about a few things that keep uh, product managers awake in SaaS companies. And we'll also touch about um, one uh, rather common yet uh, very challenging predicament, I'll call that, um, to wrap everything up that product managers and get, you know, have to deal with on a rather regular basis. Uh, so before we start, I think the first thing um, would be, let's put some definitions in place, you know, to kick things off and lay out the groundwork for our discussion. So let's talk about, you know, I thought that this is a product management conference, so probably a good place to start is the role of the product manager, right? Does seem appropriate, I guess. And, um, you know, there are a lot of, really, a lot of uh, good definitions for the role of the product manager out there. And I brought this one, we'll go over it in a second, um, because it resonated so well with me. And the reason it resonates so well is because it's uh, generally applicable and it's uh, encompassing. It's generally applicable in the sense that it is applicable to any business model, any product, any industry, and any market. And it's encompassing in the sense that uh, it touches upon all the key activities product managers engage with in their job, or at least should be engaged with. Uh, so let's read through that, and I'll uh, you know, expand on a few words I highlighted here. So the role of the product manager 
is to deliver measurable business results through product solutions that meet both the market needs and company goals. So I didn't come up with this definition. It's uh, by uh, Don Benedetti, uh, but I thought it's really a good one. So let's focus on a few words here. The first one, I, uh, the word I chose to highlight is deliver. And why do I choose to highlight deliver? Unlike uh, some other roles, you can think about analyst, management consulting, uh, you can think about researchers. By the way, I'm not discounting any of those jobs. They're all important, hard to do jobs. However, unlike them, with product management, we're measured really about our ability to take a concept, breathe life into that, and kind of release it into the market, into the hands of customers, right? And uh, if we don't do that, if we can't deliver something to the market, we're not doing a job very well. The second thing I want to highlight is business results. So it's not just about, you know, engaging with cool technologies, delivering it to the market. It's about putting there in a way that allows the business to capture some of the value that you're generating with the things you're delivering. It's about um, impacting the, the, the business results the business cares about, right? It's maximizing the business opportunity you have. And obviously, it needs to align whatever you do. It needs to align with the company goal. Your product strategy needs to align with the uh, company strategy and company vision, and it needs to account for the market needs, which we're talking about. For example, uh, you know, obviously our users and our customers' pain points and needs. We need to account for competitors in the competitive landscape, and we need to take into account uh, regulation if it's applicable to us. Right. So, so that's a, that's the definition I want to start with. And you know, we're eager beaver PMs. We want to deliver. We want to go at that. Right. And we want to make impactful business results. So first, we need to understand SaaS and what are the business results SaaS cares about. So let's talk about SaaS. What is the SaaS, right? I'm going to give you two-minute crash course about SaaS using this lovely fish here you guys are seeing before you. And by no means, by the way, it's not going to be comprehensive. It's, eh, those that understand SaaS will you know, be stickler with me. There's a lot behind that. But for our discussion today, this will be sufficient, right? So uh, the fish is your customer or potential customer. The fish tank is your business. And your goal in the SaaS business is to capture as many fish from the wild, put them in your fish tank for as long as possible, and grow them, making them more valuable to your customer, to your business. And this is indicated by the size of the fish here, right? In other words, there are three key activities for SaaS business. The first activity is acquiring the fish, right? The second thing is retaining the fish, right? Not stopping them from jumping ship or jumping tank, I guess. And the third one is monetizing them. And for each key activity, there's one key metric that's important. And again, there's a lot of important metrics in SaaS, but for, let's, let's talk about those three activities. So the first one is what we call customer acquisition cost. I was thinking about calling it fish acquisition cost, but I thought that might take the analogy too much, too far. Um, anyway, so customer acquisition cost is really the total cost of marketing and sales divided by the total number of customers you acquired in a given period of time. Usually, you know, it's a month, but there are annual contracts as well out there. And for our discussion today, we'll talk everything about in, in periods of months, right? So that's the first thing. And that's the expense the business incurs upfront about putting a fish in the fish tank. The second metric is uh, about retention, right? We said the second activity is retention, keeping them. And we measure that using what we call churn rate. 
churn rate is uh, the rate at which you're losing customers, and it's the total uh, number of customers you lost as a percentage out of the number of customers you had at the beginning of the month. And the last one is monetization, right? And that's uh, calculated using lifetime value. And lifetime value, uh, you know, it's pretty self-explanatory, is basically, uh, thank you. This is a dollar sign, by the way. <laughs> so it's the <laughs> something messed up here. But it's uh, the monthly recurring revenue that you get for from your fish, right? Times the duration of that fish in your fish tank. Now, the interesting part is duration is actually calculated by one over uh, the churn rate, right? So if your churn rate is 20%, for example, and, with, and thinking about months, then the duration of your fish within your fish tank is five months, right? Now, okay, so just from this quick discussion, we as product managers and SaaS have a good understanding of where should we focus our attention, right? So if we talked about customer acquisition costs, we said it's really marketing and sales. So product management doesn't have direct impact on that. We want to keep eye on that, but let's focus our attention on the other two metrics. And the other two metrics we talked about is the churn rate and the monthly recurring revenue, really, right? Because with those two, I can calculate the, the, the lifetime value. So let's just quickly think about a few things that product managers can do to impact monthly recurring revenues, right? By, mean, by no means, again, comprehensive, just a quick uh, ideas. The first thing is usage-based pricing. Think about like uh, marketing, email marketing platform, MailChimp, Constant Contact. Um, they charge based on the number of contacts a customer has in their account in a given time, uh, in a given month, the more contacts you have, the more you pay, right? So that allows you to capture more value from customers that see more value in your product and use it more, right? And so what you want to do as a program manager is find that key metric in your product that you can charge on a usage base and do that. So you'll charge, your average MRR will go up. A second thing we can think about is the product mix. Two quick things there. Add-ons, the first thing, right? So you have your core product. They pay for that, and there are additional features that you build that are not part of that, and if they want them, they pay additional for that. For example, a good example is API access. Some companies charge, and you can charge, you know, I'm just giving a number, $50 a month in addition to your uh, base um, subtrition cost, right? So then some customers that see the value in those features will pay more, and the MRR goes up. The other thing, which is pretty common, and you probably are all familiar with it, are the different tiers. We all know the silver gold, platinum tiers, and all various names that are there. And what it is allows you as a product manager is to deliver, to capture value from customers that see more value in your product. Again, it's a very similar concept to the usage-based pricing. Now you have different features in each package, and it costs differently. So those that want the platinum you know, with, uh, with all the shebang on it, they'll pay more for that, and your MRR goes up again. The second thing is... Uh, you know, pretty self strongly increase lifetime. And how do you increase lifetime? Uh, you reduce churn. Now, I want to spend, because churn is a key metric, it's such an important metric, I want to reemphasize again why it is so important for SaaS businesses. And to do that, I uh, brought this uh, lovely chart here that is basically depicting two companies. One is the Till company, and one is the Orange company. They're exactly the same in every shape, way, or form you can think about, right? including the customer acquisition cost, the rate at acquiring new customers, 
the cost of the subscription, anything. The only difference between those two companies is their monthly churn rate. The teal company has a 5% churn rate and the orange company has a 10% churn rate, right? And what you guys are seeing on the till is like this beautiful hockey stick curve like that all investors, all VCs, all financial analysts would love to see when you present them your uh, business results, right? Time over time. On the other hand, you have the uh, orange company, right? That is growing, kind of dabbling a bit. But what you guys are seeing is that the difference of market share between those two companies is growing exponentially over time. And in today's world where uh, it's winner takes all almost in a lot of, of the industries and markets, right? That means that Till Company has a better success at capturing market and winning overall, right? And so when, two, when, when investors will see this graph, they'll, they'll gravitate automatically towards the Till and will be willing to invest in that company. So it's a critical, uh, critical measure for, for SaaS businesses. So then the question is, if it's so critical, how can product managers in SaaS companies impact that, right? So let's talk about three ways. <clears throat> oh, sorry. Uh, and so from that discussion, you know, all churn is bad. Customer that leaves us, it's bad. A customer that leaves us before we recoup the customer acquisition cost, all the upfront investment we made in them is bad, right? So let's talk about a few ways to do that. The first one is what I call you want to take the red pill. If you guys don't know, this is uh, Morpheus from The Matrix, one of my all-time favorite movies. Funny thing, the only movie I ever paid twice to see in the theater. The first time I was just so blown away by that. I had to go back again. So in the movie, there's a scene where Morpheus talks to Neo, the protagonist, and he says, and he offers him two pills. He offers the blue pill and he offers the red pill, right? And he says to him, if you take the red pill, you'll wake up tomorrow morning. You won't forget a thing. You'll keep on with your life. But if you take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland. I'll show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. But remember, all I offer you is the truth, nothing more. And this is what this is about, right? We want the hard, cold, slap to the face truth about why our customers decided to leave us. What are the reasons that they decided to stop paying us and, and you know, churn, really? So, um, and. I just love the movie so much. I, I got into the scene too much. <laughs> so the idea behind this is that, like the meme here suggests, is what if I told you, you know, all churn customers, you have an exit interview with them, and you actually interview them and ask them about why are they leaving the, the, the company. You can be more aggressive, by the way, or less aggressive with this approach. You can, be, you can mandate that every customer that churn in the contract has to go to an exit interview, and you just, you know, have those conversations again and again, or it could be a bit less aggressive approach where you can actually just send an email, say, hey, are you willing to share your thoughts or are you willing to set up a call, right? It depends on the customers. It depends on how many customers you have, the business, the industry. Every, every product manager should uh, find the balance that's right for their mix. But the idea is uh, that over those conversations and over time, as you have more and more of those conversations, you'll start to aggregate the themes that people tell you into teams. And you'll find areas where the product, you need to iterate in the product to make sure that you're reducing churn rate, right? And that will inform your product roadmap, your product for, uh, prioritization, and the feature definitions themselves. And you have the added benefit, right, that now you're, when you're discussing with your development team or designers or stakeholders, you can always, like, 
pop up an anecdote from a conversation you had and say, you know, this is what a customer said. And it's really hard to argue against what the customer said, right? So the first thing you want to do is take the red pill, all right? Then the clicker. All right, the second thing is what I call cease the decrease. Now, the, the idea behind this is that churn is really a process. It's an action that was taken in a single point in time, but there's a process behind it like this uh, stick figure that is slowly, that at least was supposed to slowly, um, you know, fade away. And the same thing is with churn. You know, the product starts, the, the customer buys your product, he pays for it, he starts engaging with it, maybe uses it, every day, maybe even uses it several times a day. But suddenly something happens, and over a certain period of time, he starts using it every other day, every week, every month. And then the subscription bill comes, and he says, hey, wait a minute, why am I paying for this thing? I, I don't use it. I'm gonna call in or send an email or cancel the subscription, right? And then that customer's turn. So the idea here is to, as product managers go into the data, Find those indicators in time that shows us that the user is decreasing in engagement with the product. Right? It's not just on-off activity, active, not active. It's the level of activity, like this fading away process that for some reason broke here. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, but this is supposed to be gray. So we want to find like that area between here and here and start taking and, and create basically an intervention plan, right? We want to reach out to the customer and, and try and bring him back in, and re-engage him with the product. And there are a few ways to do that. The first way is kind of a, a moderate approach. Uh, it's what we call create value reminders. So the idea is that when you're starting to see that, that customer fading away, you start sending value reminders. What is a value reminder? Maybe you release a new feature set. So you send, hey, you know, there's a new feature set. New feature will release. Click here to start to do that start engaging with that, right? Or maybe uh, you see based on the analytics and the behavior, you didn't, that customer didn't engage with a certain part of your product that you know that can deliver value. And you say, hey, we noticed you haven't used this feature, click here to start engaging with it. The other thing is if your product has certain workflows, for example, you know, I'll just give a, uh, a stupid example here, but you know, he started creating an email and it's a draft and it sits in draft for two weeks. You can send an email and says, hey, we saw, you started, we saw you started taking this action, but you never completed it. Click here to complete. And by the way, those that completed this action have saw an increase of X and X in, you know, in a certain metric, right? So you, you, you remind them the value that your product brought them in the first place and can bring them in the future. The second thing, man, I don't know. I guess I'm lucky today. Are you guys doing that? <laughs> Awkward. <laughs> Sorry about it. Yeah, it's okay. Don't worry. Leave it there. Uh, the second thing is a more aggressive uh, approach. You can partner with your marketing team and create some incentives for customers to re-engage. So maybe there's something that is not monetary value in the product that generates value and you can give it away. Maybe it's credits, you know. Hey, we saw you haven't come back to the app for X amount of time. Click here, reclaim this one-time offer uh, that expires in a week to gain additional 30 credits that you can spend with us, right? 
or you get additional 500 contacts for the next two months, right? Anything that you could give them that is value and kind of bring them back and incentivize them, them really to come back to the, to the service. The third thing is offer relevant services. And the idea here is that sometimes in your product, there is a hurdle that you're not aware of, but it could be that through this process, you identify that. And you know, some customers have a difficult time getting over this hurdle for any number of reasons that you weren't able to really productize it and solve that in a way that's productized for the entire customer base. So what you can do are two, two approaches, right? One is that, hey, click here and launch an in-app guide that walks in step-by-step -step through that process. Or you can say, hey, click here, you know, schedule now a two-hour call with our top customer support that will walk you hand-in-hand -hand and to complete this action, right? Sometimes people churn because it's just, there's too much mental load on them and they don't want to engage with it. So you want to, you know, you want to tap into the psychology of that and help them grow through their hump gain their first value from the product that will keep them on that loop and keep them going, right? So number two, sis, the decrease. Thirdly, which again, okay, you guys will help me. Thank you, Katie. Is uh, be different. And again, we have our fish friends here uh, to help us illustrate this point. And I think, uh, you know, from a very high level perspective, there are a few ways companies and products compete in the marketplace. Uh, two ways are cost and differentiation. You can think about Amazon, for example, as an example for cost advantages. They, in their core business, the, the retail business, right? They have a supply chain. They built a supply chain and operations in a way that allow them to sustain very low margins and operate that way. And that allows them really to, you know, offer, to offer low price point to their customers and gain market share. And it's really hard to replicate it. So they are differentiated in that aspect. And, you know, by evident by the summation of the retail space in the U.S., it's working very well. On the other side, you can take an example like Apple. Apple is a very differentiated and powerful brand. And what it allows them is to sustain high prices and not just only sustain those high prices, but actually, you know, uh, ask for more money. You know, even I, that I'm aware of the strategies, it works on me. And I bought uh, an iPhone 10 at a thousand bucks, an iPhone X, right? So... So the differentiation works. And uh, how can you, and, and so why is it important to be different aside from that? If you think about it, really what it does, it creates, I think this is not going to work, so I'm just going to leave it here. What it creates is uh, a moat around your product, right? The, the moment you have something that you, only you can deliver to your customer, be that an experience, be that how they feel about themselves, be a, a unique combination of features and technology that they can't get anywhere else and now they need to switch right there's a high switching cost on them they need to either learn they have to give up on that feeling maybe they need to re uh, relearn how to uh, do something maybe they need three more tools now to accomplish something that they could accomplish with just a few clicks right so and once the switching costs are high for your customer the churn rate goes down unless there's something really really you know uh dismal that happened then they'll turn but if not they'll stay with you and you know the uh the apple fandom is a great example for how people stay loyal because of the experience they get because the feeling they get from the product so there are three ways for products really uh to differentiate themselves can we do the first one the first one is design and i think you know in the traditional physical world design is about packaging um, 
But in the digital space, in software, it's not just about the looks and aesthetics of things. It's about the information architecture. It's about optimized workflows and, in addition, the, uh, the look and feel, right? And, and I think that companies have started to realize that design is actually critical to create differentiation in the marketplace and sustain your advantage for longer periods of time. Uh, if you have a legacy app and a product that has a, a quirky UI and it's built on like Windows uh, 95 kind of style, and I've seen those products in the marketplace, don't, it's not funny. If they want to modernize and compete with modern uh, UI frameworks right there, it's going to take a significant amount of investment and time to do that, if they can even do that, and they don't have necessarily even have the skill set. So that's that's that takes time to you know to catch up with design. The second thing is oh all right is the feature set feature slash technology. It's not necessarily just a single feature. It could be how multiple features work in a synergetic way that you only you can deliver that value. If it's technology, you know, if it's in analytics and I can run a query, my technology allows me to query a huge database in two seconds versus 15 seconds other competitors can offer. That gives me an advantage, you know, and people can't replicate it easily. The third one is quality. And in quality, uh, again, in traditional um, products, uh, you can think about the workmanship. You can think about... uh, in the durability of the product and in in software world in SaaS specifically right we can think about things like availability and uptime right when the service i want it it's there it's the amount of bugs i have with the product that it's worked consistently over time and again and again and does the same things for me and if you guys remember you know the uh the social network movie i know it's not reality but there's a a, a piece in there that really talks about it and mark zuckerberg understood it at least in the movie Right, we got super, super upset that the servers were down for even half a day, right? Because the service wasn't there. So those things are material for either creating dissatisfaction, which leads to churn, or on the flip side, if it works, it establishes trust between you and the user, and that trust is hard to break. And they can't get in order for them to get that trust somewhere else. They need again, there's high switching cost, so they'll stay with you as long as they trust you. And usually when you compete and you're trying to be different in the marketplace with your product, you find a combination of all those three. It's not just one. All of those three, you work in tandem to really establish a sustainable um, differentiation over time, right? So the third thing is don't be afraid to be different. And I think today you see a lot of seamless in the marketplace of being products. Find that aspect that the customer cares about and go to the extreme on that vector. And I think a great example for that, if you think about Slack. Slack, you know, I hope everyone's using Slack. I love that product. And uh, what I love about the product, like if you think about it, they work in the communication and collaboration space, right? And in that space, there are a lot of other competitors. You already had Skype, Hangout. You got a hip chat from Altassian that you should expect that it will be the de facto fa- you know, standard in the space since everyone's working with Jira already. However, that's not the case, right? Come along. Slack, if you work with Slack, the experience you get, the ease of use of that thing, the effectiveness, you know, the quality of the, the service, they're all on an extreme vector to solve the exact same point, but in a way that no one else can replicate. And that's, and you know, it's evident by their huge growth spur and their huge valuation they have right now. So don't be afraid to be different. So, you know, we talked about three ways, three things. Um, 
We talked about three things on how to do action, uh, you know, text action and reduce churn. Now I want to kind of wrap everything together in a one uh, use case that is, you know, product SaaS businesses, uh, SaaS product managers engage every day. And the funny thing on my way here today, I actually got an email that talks exactly about the scenario we'll talk about, right? And I call this the high MRR predicament, right? Um, by the way, anyone wants to guess who's the product manager in this image? Yeah, this is you. This is your IMR customer, <laughs> all right? And, and the reason is this, you're, you're a rock star PM. You did everything we talked about. You created upsell flows, add-ons. You were able to increase MRR. You have customers that are 5X, 10X the average MRR customer base. And now they're up for renewal and they come to you and they tell you, hey, you know, if, I, if you want me to keep staying with you, I want you to build me those three features and I want it in a month. And this is not a fantasy scenario. I had customers come to me and says, build this thing in two weeks. My sprint is two weeks. If I start everything now, I won't be able to ever make it. But customers, that, you know, that's their prerogative to be a bit unrational sometimes. And this scenario is, why is it predicament? It's a self-made predicament in itself because we were able to create that scenario, which is good for the business. But if they live, the two key metrics we talked about are going to get hurt, right? Our MRR is going to get hurt because they're high-value MRR, and the churn rate is going to get hurt, right? So now those two things that you work so hard to improve over time are at, at a risk because of that customer. And to make things even worse in this scenario, they're asking for things that are not related to anyone in your customer base. It's like features that will solve only their problem and is applicable maybe to other customers, right? So it's not even in your roadmap. Right, so what, what do you do with the scenario? Let's talk about scenario. Uh, they revealed everything, all right. <laughs> so the first thing, and you guys can see this, is don't panic. If you're new to SaaS and you have a customer, high value a customer coming to you, you might get panic and you might say, okay, let's do that. Don't do that, calm down, there are solutions. The second thing you wanna do is you wanna master your product management skill set to deal with the scenario, right? And the first thing we want to do is negotiate. I apologize for this. I, uh, it worked well on my computer. I don't know why it's, uh, it's not uh, doing here. So I apologize for that. But the second thing is negotiate, right? Usually what happens in those scenarios is you get an email. And the email from your support team, from uh, you know, your, your sales team maybe, that the, the customer went to and, and talked to them. And they sent the email and said, we need to do this X, Y, and Z by time T, right? And the first thing you want to do is you want to actually go ahead on a call with those customers. You know, people are a lot more aggressive on emails than they're actually on the phone call. And, and they're a lot more reasonable when you're, once you talk to them, right? So you get on the call. And the first thing you do on the call is you listen, right? We want to understand, you know, first let them be heard. It's very important. The second thing is we want to understand the pain point. We want to understand why they're asking for the thing they're asking. And maybe once you uncover that aspect of the request, right, then you can um, find different solutions. Maybe it's a problem that is, you're going to solve it on your roadmap, but you're going to solve it in a different way, right? It's not about, uh, a, a, you know, adding a button. There's a problem and a need behind it. So we want to understand that. Once you have a good understanding of that aspect, 
what you want to do is you want to reiterate your product vision and your product roadmap, right? A lot of the times when people understand where the product is going and why the decision you're taking, and it's exactly the same thing we do internally, right? It's easier for them to understand. And what you want to do is try and align as much as possible, you know, kind of massage the things you heard and, and allow them to fit in your um, with your roadmap, show how do your roadmap actually solves those things, and you might have some flexibility. And you know, if it's in two, in, in two quarters time, you can bring it to the next quarter, right? So, so that allows you to do that. And if that doesn't work, what do you want to do? You want to cherry pick specific features. We had a customer came to us that said, "I'm going to pay you between fifty thousand and seventy thousand dollars if you build me this feature set." And you know, that's not an insignificant amount of money. But the problem is, like I said, it's that they wanted something that was so specific to them. So we, we went back and we did some evaluation and said, you know what? We're willing to take your money, all right? But <laughs> we'll build the thus following set of features that doesn't go to all the extreme, that covers in, you know, a much larger use case and that's applicable to a lot of the other customer base. So you can have, that's, that's the negotiation process. Now, if everything fails, the last tactic you can take is stalling. <laughs> and stalling is a really fantastic tactic for two reasons. The first one is if they say to you, you know, I need this in two weeks or or or, uh, or a month, right? Uh, then you have to go to your development team and you have to stop midstream the work they're doing. So you, there's a lose-lose scenario. A, your team is going to be very upset with you because, you know, you guys work to scope it, plan it, start it, execute it. So they get upset. And on top of that, you lose all the progress that you made on those features because you, you're stopping in midstream, right? So that's one thing. The other aspect of the stalling tactic is because life is dynamic and you want to take advantage of that fact, right? Uh, scenarios change for those customers and for you, right? What could happen for the customer? Maybe that person that was the champion of those feature requests in three or six months' time is not in the company anymore, right? Or maybe he moved to a different position. Or maybe they change their business strategy if it's a company and you're serving customer, you know, it's a B2B. And you're so they, those features are not as important as what they were before, right? So what do you want to do? You want to stall. And obviously, you can always say no if it's needed. And we do that. You know, part of our jobs as product managers is to say no to a lot of things to main focus on what is applicable to the entire customer base. Uh, so you want to say no. Now, this is the short term, like you, the scenario happens tomorrow, you need to deal with it. But in the long term, there's, again, the skill set and part of your daily job is to create alignment within the company about the product vision and the product roadmap. And what does that does for you, it helps keep, keep, keep people in place through uh, sheer force of social pressure, in a sense, right? Once there's a strong alignment and people understand what you're doing and they have a strong buy-in into your roadmap, now someone comes in and they say, you know, Maybe it doesn't make so sense to do that because we understand how this will benefit the business over the long term, right? So you want to create a alignment and strong bind. Uh, however, you've got, to, you've got to be mindful that our strong forces are working against that. And the reason is because we talked about that. That is going to impact key metrics in your business. And there are stakeholders, maybe executives, that their promotion is, on, is dependent on making those metrics, those numbers. Their uh, bonuses are dependent, or maybe your CEO needs to stand against in the board meeting in a month and explain why he didn't make those numbers, right? So there are a lot of strong forces that will work to, say, do that at any cost, right? But if you take that long 
view of things, then it's much harder for them, for one exec to stand out of line and say, no, do that, while everyone else says, no, it's not as important, right? So you wanna, so those are the things you can do and handle that kind of predicament that uh, you created by being a good product manager in SaaS businesses. And that's it, keep calm and SaaS on, I guess. All right, guys, thanks. Thanks for listening to the product podcast. If you liked this episode, don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes. If you want to know more about our courses and next courts, visit productschool.com. Stay tuned for the next episode to learn more about the secrets in product management.